Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Louise, Louise Brown. Looking forward to this conversation, Louise. Hi, me too. I've been excited to see you in person for a long time, as as much in person as we can, right? Yeah, yeah as much nice as to see like you. 6,000 miles away. Thanks for having me on. You know, I lived in England when I was in 1989 for a year. Okay. Where did you live in, in London? London. Um, I went to school. I, I went to school there, so... You know, I lived in in London in Knightsbridge, but I went all over. It's like I'm an Anglophile. Yeah, (laughs) right. Well, it was at school. Shared a room with six people. So, yeah. (laughs) So Knightsbridge is where Harrods is, listeners. So it's a really yeah. It's a really it's really nice. It's it's, yeah yeah yeah. When you're a student, you live better than like when you're an adult, right? We were just talking about that. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, London's 200 miles from me. I'm 200 miles north of Mm -hmm. London. and but we're six thousand miles away because you're in you're in yeah. California and don't I, you told me the name of the town but I I still didn't <laughs> like Luis or something San San Luis Obispo but I'm I'm actually in a town called it's even smaller called a Tuscadero so there you go that's like don't even try <laughs> I'm not going to give that a try no. <laughs> so I uh, love talking to fellow podcasters. Uh, yeah me we've too. not got fellow adoptees fellow podcasters because we're we're not just we're not just got our own learnings we've got all the learnings that we've gathered uh, over the years from our other conversations yeah. so so yeah what does healing mean to you louise <laughs> what does healing i knew you were going to start with that um let's see you know i was thinking about this last night you know i listened to a couple more episodes on your podcast and just that you had the healing question and i've been going through a lot of healing lately I don't think as adoptees, maybe even as people, but for sure as adoptees were ever really healed. I used to think so. I used to think, okay, I'll get some therapy, figure that out. I'll be healed. This will, you know, have been a good relationship, figure out my stuff. I'll be healed type of thing. And the more I'm into this, I just think it's a process every day, kind of like working on healing. Um, I think the word that comes to mind for me is grace, like giving yourself some grace for how we are. Like this morning, my husband and I had just a small discussion that was maybe more heated than normal. And I went right to my triggers, right? Like, oh, I'm I'm not capable or lovable or all those things. And I sat there for a minute and I thought, okay, I need to like, now I can sit there because I know enough and go, okay, this is a trigger. I'm reacting ridiculously. He's staring at me like, what's wrong with you? You know, that kind of thing. But but now I can sit there and then I can sit calmly say, okay, I need a moment that triggered me type of thing. But this is ongoing. I mean, I'm 55 years old, right? So I don't know. Healing to me means giving ourselves grace, having a community, meeting you, other adoptees. Um, our podcast gives us healing. I'm sure it does for you as well. Just talking to other adoptees and other people that feel the way we feel yeah. inherently, you know? So healing is, if we look at it at a micro level, like mm-hmm. this, this little example that you brought up from this morning, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of um, catching ourselves in the moment. It, it's grace. It's it's presumably bouncing back faster rather than yeah. Yeah. yes. That's a good way to put it. I think I think just having the forgiveness for ourselves in a way, because I think. From what I've encountered, and I probably my podcast partner Sarah Reinhardt has would say the same thing is that 
over the last three years on our podcast, you know, it's story after story. People are, have a lot of shame, guilt, rising above that. I'm worthy feelings. You know, it's funny because people are very accomplished and still have these feelings, right? We're still little kids wanting to be loved or accepted. And, and maybe that's humankind, but I think we have an extra layer of that as adoptees. And I think I've just learned to like be kinder to myself. I used to think, okay, be busy, be, um, you know, the good girl, get things done be awesome at my job, be awesome at this, but you're, you're running from something, right? So it's, it's learning to sit with the uncomfortable, learn about yourself, you know, um, maybe having grace for other people in the conversation as well. You know, it's hard to sometimes listen to other points of view or, or people saying, um, you know, listening to an apology or maybe having the hard conversation. It's just about healing. It's just about going through every day, trying to make it better. I don't think it's like we're ever going to, I feel like we're a little bit like the bucket with the hole in the bottom and maybe the hole closes up a little, or you get in a place where the sand doesn't just pour through, but it's still going to have the hole. I think yeah. maybe lifelong, you know? Yeah. What are we forgiving ourselves for? being unwanted right i mean or something or not being the good the baby to keep or someone to love i i don't know that's the question like i always feel like i'm i'm guilty of something that i'm not guilty of you know yeah to to me it it sounds like it or it, it feels like forgiving grace feels like forgiving ourselves for our feelings yeah, maybe. It's, it kind of makes me a little bit emotional. It's almost like um, like seeing yourself as a baby. Like I've, I've tried to, you know, Sarah was saying on our podcast to somebody that interviewed us that it's she cringes thinking about like going back to your baby self or, you know, how people say embrace your child or whatever, inner child. But for me, I feel like I'm starting to feel feel bad for that inner child like a little bit. You know, I used to just be like, well, I had a, a great adoption. I had nice parents who loved me and a loving family. But now I'm starting to be like, okay, I was taken from my mother. I was with her for six days. I was a really quiet, self-soothing baby. I pushed people away. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. I just was a baby, right? But I think somehow in our psyche growing up, we think, Oh, I've done something wrong, right? I'm I better behave so nobody's mad at me, but let me push you away. You know, it's all those contradictory feelings. So yeah. yeah. And what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> There's so much there. There's so much there. Um right? uh, you know, I have so many questions. Uh the the first one that came to me came to my mind was, you know, have you had have you interviewed um many people? who and any therapists or anybody and have you done it yourself this parts work stuff where you look at the different parts of you have you done anything around that um i well yes in my own therapy we've interviewed um lots of different therapists we've yes. had on yeah. you know we've had on Anne marie morello and um moses pharaoh all sorts of trauma therapists and i learned from their podcasts when they're when we're interviewing them i'm learning the whole time they're talking right um and probably from to be honest with you i'm learning from every guest that comes on when they're talking i feel honored to even hear their stories like why am i worthy of hearing this story right 
But for myself in therapy, I feel like I have, I've had the right therapist more recently in my life when I went through a lot of family counseling around a divorce. Um, I found the right person who asked me the right questions, even though she wasn't an adoptee, it started to be like, you can talk about, you know, your family or your mom or your feelings and you're not guilty to bring that up. You know, you're yeah. allowed to have some pushback. And that's a, that's a big thing is just being allowed to like, oh, oh, okay, I can talk about this with somebody very openly. That's a big thing. Therapy is helpful so in I, any form. In yeah. any form. Um, so the parts work is the one that came up for me mm -hmm. when you're talking about, you know, your relationship with, you, you know, you're thinking about your little baby, you know, yourself as a little baby. It's that, mm -hmm. that parts work. Um, but some of the things that you just said then got me, got me really thinking about what I was saying a couple of minutes ago. So for me, it's like, I used to worry about worrying. Right. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Or, or, or be, I should put that on my wall. I used to worry about worrying. I think I still worry about worrying. I used to, <laughs> and, and somebody blew that apart for me. Um, <laughs> A, a, a guy from the US, a, a, a mentor, coach, author kind of a guy. Um, mm -hmm. from, I think he lives in Santa Barbara. I'm not sure. Guy called no, Michael that's Neal. near me, by the way. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, a guy called Michael Neal, and he's not in the adoption space. Right. Um, but he, he, he is a kind of third generation of practitioner guy of mm -hmm. something of a, of a philosophy created mm -hmm. by an adoptee actually oh there's a connection and he was at this guy was a scottish a scottish guy called um called sydney banks have you come across this guy he's not oh, alive no. he's not alive anymore he's not alive anymore he mm -hmm. didn't he's an adoptee um and he had a, a an awakening experience on a marital harmony weekend oh. uh, and um yeah and it, it changed it changed it changed his life and he, he he created something called the three p's called the three p's i'm gonna look this up <laughs> and uh sydney, sydney banks with a y okay. with a y i with feel like y. i have seen it maybe you've posted it. about it i don't know he lived in um yeah, he lived in on Salt Spring Island, which is uh, off Brit off Vancouver in yeah. uh, British Columbia. So, a couple hundred miles north of you, I would guess, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so this guy, he, he he this guy trained some people, and and then that guy trained some people, and one of the guys, the, the third tier down, was this guy called Michael Neal, and he was the one that helped me see this, um, um, you know, worry about worrying, like mm -hmm. so what, Simon. You're worrying. Right. So what? Why are you right. worrying about worrying? Uh, and then, um, and so yeah, great. And I, 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 somehow that comes to mind. That that comes to mind when I think of grace. And then another one would be for me, uh, perhaps closer to a, a what many of us would consider a, a classic kind of trauma response. And what I think mm -hmm. of my trauma response would be uh, anger angry about being angry yeah oh my gosh i know that one too <laughs> because 
Because then you're angry and you're so upset yourself for being angry. It's the yeah. weirdest. Yeah. And then you're embarrassed by being angry. And, and this this guy, Michael Neal, um, he, he he talks about becoming a moron. Right? <laughs> We've right. got more on our mind. <laughs> so we've got that. worry, and then yeah. worry, and then yeah. worry, and then yeah. worry, and then worry, and like I've done all this work. Why am I? Right? Still, oh I've achieved God. all this. Why am I still worrying? I am a good guy. Why am I still worrying? People mm-hmm. like. Why am I still worrying? What? And, and <laughs> it, you know, it just yes. The answers. The answers lie way upstream of thoughts and way upstream of. Uh, they sure feeling, do you know like talking and way upstream of story you know when you're saying when you're saying worrying i'm thinking anxiety right because... oh yeah worry about worrying <laughs> that's, w- that's would me. be called anxiety but i've never called it that I've, me neither I've just, no I've never called it anxiety listen my nickname growing up besides i had a few nicknames i had um heisman from my dad because he's a football player and i pushed people away so you know the heisman trophy with the hand but my my nickname from all friends and family, because I'm Louise, was Wheezy, right? Well, when I was little, it was always like, oh, Wheezy's worrying. Oh, worry Wheezy. It's like, okay, no, I mean, I just thought, oh, I'm a worrier. And my son, would, my son who's 25 now, would be like, mom, I'm fine. Why are you worrying? You know, all this. And I'm like, it's my thing. I can't, I'm trying so hard in life not to worry. But what I really realized, it's anxiety. And the anxiety comes from not knowing, from abandonment, right? I think it's so, like you said, upstream. It's so in our core that it gives our minds something like, I think it's almost like you're, um, who was I talking to? But it's like your mind is when you're a baby and you're taken from your mom, you're, you're not, you're kind of searching, searching, searching constantly, right? For security. And you may go into a family, you may go into foster care, you may go somewhere that's horrible. No matter what it is, you're going to adapt quickly. Like, let me, this is how I get food. This is how I get love. You know, all of this is a baby, but your mind's still constantly searching. How do I fit from when you're little, right? So you start to have this worry, like hypervigilance. I was always really aware of my surroundings, watching people. I've never slept well. I still don't sleep well. I sleep better now, you know, because we know all the things. Do your breathing, you know. Like you, you learn your stuff, so you put it away. I put mine in a little box and then I'll open that box tomorrow. I do all these mental games, right? But, but it's still there. I'm still such the worrier, you know? It's funny worrying about worrying. That's just. Yeah. And, and so what? So what? <laughs> right? So what? So what Nothing's, you? it doesn't change anything. That's one thing I really realized through my, the last person that I worked with, um, she was like, she had a really good analogy I'm going to share here. I don't know if I've ever shared it, maybe somewhere, but she would say, okay, I'd tell her all these things like, okay, this is happening. And if this doesn't happen, this will happen. You know, you go to the extremes, yeah. right? For don't sure. Someone, yeah. yeah. If you don't hear from someone, they're dead on the freeway, right? It's like, like you go right to the negative, right? There's something, even though I'm a positive person, I think that would surprise people as I go right to like, oh, that person's for sure dead now or that this is going to happen because the plane will crash, whatever it is, right? So she said, <laughs> yes, thank you. Looking for the word. So she was like, okay, can we, where I used to see her was outside. It was in an office building that looked down on an old cemetery. 
So she, she would say, can we look at the cemetery and like, look out the window, pick like a grave site and like, you know, put all your worries, put all your stress and anxieties in that grave. And let's have a little funeral for it. Like when your guilt, whenever I have anything like guilt about something I did during parenting that haunts you every day, you, you just talked to me about something with guilt, like you keep it right. Like I feel so bad I did this or bad I did that. And she'd say, let's go bury it, have a little funeral for it, feel sad. You can embrace it. You can say that really sucks. That's there. And then come back and visit it. So like you can, you can go away. Do you bring that to breakfast with you? Do you bring it to work with you? No, you can come back on Sunday and visit that guilt and that, you know, so it gave me a space to like visualize where I was putting my anxieties and my pain and my guilt and I could visit it, but it's not going to be with me every day. You don't live in the cemetery, right? So it was kind of an interesting analogy. I really, it's like the one thing that stuck with me from all those years with her. I was like, oh, I'm going to bury something and then go visit it, but I'm not going to live in the cemetery. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> it's kind it of a does. long story. It does. Um, so uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll sum it up with something from a, another mentor coach guy of mine um a different guy a, a brit guy this one um the, the past is a place of reference not a place of residence ah uh, i like that too you have some good ones i do and i've <laughs> got do. an even better one than that i've got an even better one i don't often swear right uh feeling shit is as natural as having a shit <laughs> like that one too what if mm -hmm. feeling shit doesn't mean that we are shit? Right. Yeah. And I'm back. I go back to the. Uh, the I like that. I, I go back to the Californian guy here, right, mm -hmm. Michael Neal. Um, we've become emotophobic. Yes. We yeah. have, as a society, mm -hmm. and. Uh, we have become emotophobic. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? We lie. In in the UK, we lie. Fine. Not bad. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. We, yeah, uh, uh, my, we talked about my, we talked about swimming, right? Um, mm -hmm. We've uh, at, uh, at the Tadcaster swimming pool. They've got a, they've had an outbreak of something for the last 20 or so years that I've been going there. It's called not bad itis. Not bad. Not bad How are you doing? Not bad. <laughs> is that the best you've got? Yeah. The best you've got. It's catching. It is. It, well, gosh, special. I mean, people are so in there. What if you what if you ask someone, they're like, you know, I'm not that well today. You'd be, you know, it's like, wow, okay. We but, but we're all we've all become emotophobic. We have. But then mm -hmm. what about us? Yeah. What about us and our trauma? Like yeah. our, our trauma is going to drown us. Yeah, our feelings are so freaking scary. Like yeah. 10 years ago, um, I was sitting on a train to London reading a book about this sort of stuff. And I absolutely lost it with another, somebody else on the train who was shouting in his mobile phone. And and I um, and I and I, I I leant over to him and I said, "Would you mind keeping your voice down?" Yeah. And he didn't. And and he shouted. And, and the next minute, 
I was over to him. I prodded him on the shoulder. And I said, if you don't, <laughs> shut up. I, yeah. I'm going to put your head through that window. It just enraged you. Rage. It raged me. And, yeah. and, and that's scary. So, yeah. like, we're emotophobic mm-hmm. in the Western world. Yeah. And as, uh, as adoptees, we've got even more reason to be over emotophobic because yeah. the feelings that are coursing through our bodies scare the bejesus out of us. So no wonder. Yeah. But I wasn't clear what I meant by upstream. Yeah, tell me. I, I, I didn't mean up. I didn't mean up. I, I meant upstream beyond our feelings, mm-hmm. beyond our thoughts to who we are we say you said uh i am i am a warrior right so that's mm-hmm. identifying mm-hmm. with a, with a habit right? right i am a warrior and i can say that as well I, I am insecure i'm insecure about business or yeah i am insecure i'm, I'm insecure about business I can say. so i identify with a feeling we identify with a feeling yeah. but mm-hmm. But this is, here's the thing, right? How we feel isn't who we are. That's right. I like that. How we feel isn't Isn't. who we are. We are not our trauma. No. It's not us. How we think is. It's not us. But but we're obsessed with, we're obsessed with how we think. We're obsessed with how we feel. And we're doing this hard work. To try and change how we think, I want, I need to be milked. So, so, um, uh, so I've been on my learning journey seventeen years, whatever. Yeah. Uh, since I came out in the fog, right? So I, I, why aren't I making more progress? Why, why, why aren't I feeling yeah. better? Why am? But, I, but that's that's why grace. Yeah, grace. grace I, I said, what are we giving us forgiving ourselves for? And you mm-hmm. gave lots of different things. And but mm-hmm. what stood out for me is what are we forgiving our what 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 do we we forgive ourselves for our feelings rather than trying to it, it, trying to push them away? Yeah, like, to pretend they don't exist. Well, pretend they don't exist. Drown them with alcohol. Yeah, um, exactly. Have you? Have, so I haven't listened to all your podcast. Have you had um, Pamela on? Who Pamela Caranova on? Yeah. No, but I know her now, you know, and we'd like to have her on. We'd like to have you on. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm ready for you whenever. That would be um, that would be cool. Uh, she attributes attributes. I don't know how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. She attributes her biggest healing to stopping to push. Stopping pushing her emotions away. Yeah, I agree. This because in the last we've, I've been coming out of the fog for three years. I mean, really, it's taken this long. I didn't even know there was a fog, a community, any of it. Okay, so the last three years, I embrace how I feel, and I think it in some ways it shocks. I'm starting to, you know, not overnight. You start to kind of say, I'm allowed to feel this way. I'm in a writing group with other adoptees that Anne Heffron runs, actually. And she always says there's like a, 
there's like a, a level, like a hand, like a flame, right? So if you can, we're always trying to burn at this level, but there's something keeping the candle down, right? But if you can, you can go around and talk about it, you can still keep your stuff there because it's not going to go away. Like we're still going to have our, our arc over us that kind of, like you said, will it ever go away? I don't think so. You're in the 17 years and you're still saying, oh, I'm, I'm a worrier, but you don't identify yourself as your emotions anymore. Right. So I can say I have this and this, but I'm able to look at it now and have my emotions and say, okay, I'm allowed to get mad. I'm allowed to not feel like everything's okay. It used to be the the one in my family that, you know, when we had an incident, my mom and dad who are now deceased, both my parents have deceased in the last few years, my adopted parents, I'll call them my mom and dad. That's what yeah. I call them. They came to visit me in Los Angeles. Um, my son was probably in the third grade. We had a new house. I was with my ex-husband and my brother wasn't there. My adopted brother, he's not, he's not an adoptee. He's their child. So it was just our small family. And everybody was like not getting along in the kitchen. It was too much time together, the whole thing. And I just had hurt feelings, like, but I was pushing him down. So I'm trying to make everybody happy and who wants what to drink and make sure the house looks great. And is my mom liking, is my dad, everything perfect, right? And I just kind of lost it. And I went in the bedroom and just laid down and was crying. I just was like, I can't deal. Like everything bubbled up, all this weird stuff around everything. And I'll never forget this. My dad, who actually is kind of my biggest ally in, in my childhood life, he came in the room and he said, hey, Weez, are you coming out, you know, to have dinner? And what are you doing? And I said, you know, I just need to sit here for a minute. And he goes, we don't know what to do when you're like this. Like, he literally said, I just, I thought about this just the other day. This memory came to me that, well, if you don't come out, and we're not going to have any fun because I'm the one that makes everybody get along, right? And I thought, wow, it was so eye-opening. I wasn't out of the fog. I hadn't really dealt with a lot of this stuff, but it impacted me. I remember thinking, well, why do I have, to, can't I have a bad day? You guys are always having a bad day. Everybody's having their problems. Why can't I? You know, and I realized what a fixer I was. Like what if I was that kid. In the family, I brought some joy. I made sure everybody was happy. You know, meanwhile, you know, I'm rebelling and I'm growing up and going through all sorts of stuff and nobody asked the right questions. Why is she doing all this? You know, I just thought I'm crazy. So you keep it to yourself. You push down your feelings. Something's wrong with me. I don't want anybody to see that. So let me just tootle through my life, right? Pushing things down. And anger is under the surface there too. Because I can get really angry. But now I let myself get angry. Cause it's so bad to keep it in. That's how we have illness. And so oh, as you but... were sharing, as you were sharing what your dad said to you, um, mm -hmm. he said, we don't know what to do when you're like this. I, 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 I heard it as um, you're upset. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't know what to do to make you not upset anymore. Not, we don't know what to do if you're not here to guide us. Hi, both. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so. Like, who am I if I'm not putting on a happy face, right? Like, what do they do with me? You know, and it's, well, we, I think, yeah. I, don't, I think that was always my thing. Like, I just tried to blend in and fit in. And like all of us, I, I feel like every adoptee that comes on and tells their story to us, we can have vastly different adoption stories. 
but right away I'm like, oh, I totally get that or I get this. And it's just so relatable. Everything's so relatable. It's, and I have had friends, I'm sure you have too, people outside of the adoptee community who will be like, well, I have those problems because of divorce or I have this because of loss. I mean, there's a lot of things. You can lose a mother and childbirth. You can go through horrible divorce, poverty, all sorts of things. But there's something very particular to being an adoptee that's only other adoptees get. That's why I think we have such a problem as a community communicating it outside of the community because people are like, well, what's the problem? Get over it already. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. an interesting dilemma. So, so I, I think um, you talked about uh, we will, we're never really healed. Um, mm -hmm. uh, a realization that I came to for me that really helped last year is looking at healing on two levels. So psychologically, mm -hmm. we'll always be healing. But we are not our psychology. Uh, and mm -hmm. underneath our psychology, underneath our trauma, underneath our thoughts and our feelings, that place, uh, some people call it consciousness, mm -hmm. is it is never it was never wounded and if it was never wounded it 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 never it doesn't need to heal it um and oh. we explain this more so like we have our we have our we have our overlaying psychology which we're always working in right like the but underneath the con then we have the consciousness explain that part so um I don't know which way to go with this. Uh, so have you seen me? Have <laughs> you seen me doing the uh, the 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 fist and the diamond? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the fist is our trauma. Mm -hmm. The diamond is who we are. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's one metaphor. Yeah. Uh, the, but the fist could be our psychology, if you wanted to say. The okay. fist could be mm -hmm. our feelings. The fist could be our thoughts. The fist could be anything, but it's not who. Yeah. We are. Um, I like the visuals. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I'll give you a, another. I'm trying to give another visual to, to do. Um, oh, it's just completely gone now. Um, that's <laughs> that's bad, isn't it? And I can't think of that. I've, I've got to give myself. This happens grace. to me every day. Give yourself grace. I've got for to that. give myself grace. <laughs> I, um Yes, you so do. We, we, we are not. We, think of screen. Think of consciousness as the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as your screen. You're looking at a screen, right? You you can see you and you can see me, mm -hmm. but that's the content on the screen. It's not the screen. Yeah. So that's, oh, yeah, it's good, right? So it, it's consciousness. You've got two things: consciousness and content. Mm -hmm. Consciousness, yeah. content. Screen yeah. and movie. Screen. Yeah, it's good. Mirror and picture. Yeah. Who? How we feel isn't mm -hmm. who we are what we think 
isn't who we are. Our feelings come and go. What do they come I and do go? Think, what do they come and go? I do think, well, I think that what you think, this is one thing I do believe, is what you think, if you think it over and over, starts to become who you are because we believe our own things we tell ourselves in the negative. You know, like I think we, you know, I think a think, lot of thinking, thinking becomes a uh, re recurrent. Thoughts yes. Become Re beliefs. But and habits. Beliefs and, either. And, and, right. and beliefs drive our, drive our habit. That's why I'm saying yeah. up, upstream, right? Mm -hmm. So upstream, right? So upstream for me. Think of uh, that, that's, that, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, that story I told you. Yeah. I, I lost my shit with the, the the kid on the train right? yeah the loud kid yelling into his mobile yeah. right so my action mm -hmm. threatening him came from my feeling of yeah anger and right uh, and frustration and invalidation and lack of control. I'd asked him right. to do something mm -hmm. nicely and mm -hmm. he ignored me, right? So lose my shit, threaten the guy. I didn't hit him. I didn't put his head through the window. I just threatened him, right? So threatened, but it was scary. It was scary. So my action is driven by my feeling. Mm -hmm. my, my, my feeling is driven by some some thoughts going on for me about how dare um, this guy do this stuff right and, deeper uh, not yeah, listening yeah. to me yeah, yeah. Well, he's, why why won't he listen to me da, da, da. why isn't listening to me why is he upsetting what why is upsetting the whole of why is upsetting me i'm trying to read my book i, I don't i'm not understanding the book so i, and I right. can't focus on the book because he's shouting right I'm mm -hmm. done this one. so upstream so uh, uh, so i've gone from my action threatening him upstream to my feelings mm-hmm uh, upstream to my thoughts. Well, what's what's upstream of that? What's upstream of all that? That's my that's my that's my consciousness. That's that's who I that's am. That's your con. Yeah, that's your real self. That's figuring this out. That's yeah. my true self. Yeah. But we identify. Um, we identify. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I am a podcaster. Um, I am a worrier. I am an adoptee. I am insecure. I am, you know, like it, it's, right. it's I am bit. I am, right. I am bit. We're focused. We're, we're focused on that. Yeah. But what comes after? See, comes, but if I keep yeah. on talking like this, there's no point <laughs> coming on your podcast because I'm just sharing <laughs> my stuff when I'm supposed to be talking. No, it's fascinating. I'm like, this is really, well, well, I feel like we, we both have our stories out there. So I sort of like, just this conversation is interesting to me. I love healing, you know, the the thinking of healing. Like that's what my um my writing group that I'm in, I wouldn't really say it's a class. It's more like a group led by Anne. It's so healing because of what we actually get to and share with each other that I never share with anybody else. Like what comes out when you're relaxed, when you're heard, when you're really putting aside, like you're not your feelings, right? Like um, we had an exercise the other day where she's just picking random words like, okay, go and write about French toast or whatever it was, you know, a breakfast thing. And you think, oh, I don't want to, like, I don't want to write about that. 
the stuff that comes out from that is really shocking when you have a short amount of time to write about something when you're just in a group of comfortable people. What And it may not be writing for everybody. There may be art or speaking or just anything that where you feel yourself and heard. I think that's kind of what happened to you on the train, right? Like, I don't like not being heard. I always felt like I was never heard. I never had my feelings validated and all of that. So what comes out is the real stuff, like who we are, the essence. And some of it's very beautiful, right? Some of our, I do think adoptees, like there's so many that don't survive. I mean, I think people are surprised when we do educate them, how many people are, you know, have committed suicide or uh, drugs and alcohol or not doing well. I think that surprises people because they always know the, oh, I have a friend who's adopted who's very happy, right? So I think that surprises the outside world. But I think when we get here, where you and I are, and maybe some other people in the community, where we're working on this and we have a community about it, I think we're almost super powered now because maybe we had to go through all this to educate others to help, right? Like, I feel like there's a higher calling in it. That's part of healing as well. Like, how do we use our pain and get over you know, I had a lot of guilt talking about this because, you know, people might hear it or your family or people would be hurt. But once you get over all of that, like, okay, I can talk about this. I'm in my fifties. This is how I feel. I think that's healing too, because it's helping other people that maybe aren't going to talk about it. Maybe there's some guy driving in, in England on a windy road, listening to your podcast who would never talk about this with anybody that somehow feels, oh, that helped me right? Listening to Simon helps me. And that is another part of healing is for us to be helping. You know, it's, I think we've come this big path to be here. I don't uh, know if that makes sense. I didn't feel heard on that train. Right. You feel I, I got heard. that from you. Like I you, got that from you. You didn't feel heard. That's a big thing for me. You felt you feel heard in your group feeling heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, feeling heard. Uh, it is comforting. I wasn't comfortable. <laughs> right, right. I wasn't comfortable. And, and I feel I feel heard with you, right? Or if you get on some of our adoptee groups that are that are nice to be in, you can say something and you're heard. You know, hopefully, hopefully that's you are heard. There's yeah. some, there's there's problems with all groups, of course, but indeed, you know. But it's a and nice being um, validated. Being validated. Being validated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I think validation is a double-edged sword. Because mm. then we become what? In a uh, a thing of our well, own. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, so 17 years ago, uh, this humongous thought that I, that I, I have never thought before occurs to me. And it comes with incredibly powerful emotions. I've sworn already this, so I'm going to do it again, right? I'm talking to a coachy type person and I'm talking Mm -hmm. about my birth mother and I'm talking about the teddy bear. She, she, my birth mother, she didn't fucking love me enough to fucking keep me. She gave me the fucking teddy bear as a fucking consolation prize. Right. The woman says, Sarah says to me, 
not your Sarah, different Sarah. <laughs> um, I'm a mum, Simon, and I don't think it was probably like that. Yeah. Ping! Mm -hmm. the, the volcano stopped erupting. Wow. Little bit Just of having smoke. That. Little bit of yeah. smoke coming out the top. Bearing in mind, I'd never felt, I'd, I'd never thought that way about my, I'd never really given my birth mother much thought at all. But I definitely hadn't thought about that. And I'd never, I never thought about her. And I yeah. never thought that thought, right? But she challenged the thought. Yeah. What would have helped? What would have, what would my life have been like? Who knows, right? What would my yeah. life have been like if she'd said, that's terrible, Simon. That's terrible. Right. That's really yeah, she didn't just validate, right? There's some things that, because we all, I feel like we get in these, um, what's it called when you, we all say the same thing and we go in a tube group together. Think. like mm -hmm, Group think. So it's like, we can do too much of that. That's why I think it's important that we do communicate that others know out there because the more we educate others, the adoption industry will change, number one, slowly. But the more people that know, because if we're just talking to ourselves all the time, we're validating, oh, that's horrible, that's horrible. But then sometimes, like you said, I highly doubt your your birth mother, that was her, and that was no consolation prize. She gave everything there, right? Everything. I mean, I'm a mother. I can't imagine what it takes to, to do that. And the suffering that goes on on that side, you know, um, there's so much pain in, in adoption. That's what's so interesting is it's a celebration for one group and painful for two others, right? Even if you, you're a kid and you grow up and you're happy enough as a kid or whatever goes on, there was pain that came into our existence. And so it's, it, it's weird to see ourselves like that's part of the healing for me is seeing myself. I look at pictures now when I was a little baby and I always thought I looked kind of, it's interesting because later as a kid, you're smiling or you're in whatever, but as a baby, I'm looking very like lost. I can see it. It's so strange. I know you can see a lot if you want to and things, but I just see it differently now. It's like, I'm like, what happened? You know, you're like an alien transplanted into another life and then you adapt and you grow and you figure out how to make that work, but you're living two lives in a weird way. You're always living two lives. And you can never really fit into one completely in the strange. So we have to make our, get to our higher conscience or whatever, <laughs> See, you know, it's kind of a deep conversation, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I like your podcast because you do talk about healing because there is healing to be done. And I, and uh, I met Pamela recently who you brought up. I hadn't, we haven't met a lot of adoptees because of Zoom and we do this kind of, Sarah lives in Kansas City, I live in California. And, you know, I've met, I have a local group here. She's met some people that have come through Kansas City, but we haven't like gone to a big event. And we recently were in New York with a lot of adoptees, as you saw. And that's where I met Pamela in person. It's like, she's such a, a bright light and you can see how much work she's done. She's just so, like she just shines, right? Because of, I do think she's found a place to feel more empowered. And I, I like getting that feeling myself. 
I feel more empowered now than I've ever felt, but it was such a journey to get here, like so many highs and lows, right? Coming out of the fog was scary. It's it's shocking when you, you see the puppeteer behind the stage, you know, the, the hand that works the puppets. And then you're like, wait, what? How did I never think about this stuff? It's so crazy, all the thoughts that crash in, you know? You know, all of it. <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> You're just dwelling. Uh, I think about... when I'm going to ask my, my next three questions. <laughs> um, and I normally call my mum at this time of night. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. But we were chatting before we hit the record button. So that took up in a little bit of time. Um, mm -hmm. What have been, uh, what healing moments, what profound healing moments? come to mind for you for me i think um i think some healing moments for me just reading things like reading journey of the adopted self um even the primal wound at the beginning that's how we came out of the fog so if you don't know our story really we started our podcast i think that we were we were both adoptees who knew we had stuff because we were adopted but it kind of sat at that surface level like Oh yeah, don't hug me. We have we have t-shirts by the way. Don't hug me, I'm adopted, right? Like yeah, all the funny things you do when you meet another adoptee like, "Oh, I get it. I get it. You just get things." But then we never really, you know, we sat on an ice cream truck for 6 years and we never really dug deeper. A few times we would dig deeper, but we didn't attribute a lot of stuff going on in our lives to any of this trauma. It was always like, "Okay, I'm an adoptee and I have this weird stuff, but these are my other issues." right? So reading for me, just we read on the podcast, we actually do a book with our podcast. So it's not yeah. like we can skip, we can't skip the reading. Yeah, I know you, uh, yeah. yeah, that's the worst part, though, is because we have to actually read every chapter and some of it's and we had to do it, you know, timely for the podcast, because we're weekly now. And we were by we were bi monthly back then. But it's like, okay, I don't want to read this next chapter. But then that it's like we came out of the fog in fast time because we read every week and then we had each other to discuss it with. And it was so, um, those were aha moments for me. I remember just laying in bed sometimes just sobbing and being like, oh my God, there's words for what I've been feeling. I think that was the most healing moments is just having the words, like if you can name it, it helps. Yeah. I think naming something helps, like knowing I mean, not just saying, oh, I have anxiety, but naming, okay, there's a reason I have abandonment issues. It's not just because I'm a freak, right? I'm a freak with everybody else that has abandonment I'm, issues. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> We're freaks together. Get, do they do these in men's sizes, these t-shirts? Don't look good. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> we have all um, sorts of men's sizes. Yeah, yeah my, my, uh, I, I used to work with my wife. Um, so I started working with my wife in 1988, um, mm -hmm. got together in 1993. Um, but at some point, that her, her and another girl that I worked with, they, they, they found out that I didn't like being touched. You know, before we were together, oh. you know, like, right. and, and they were like, and I'd go rigid, you know. Right. Just kind of pull back. Mm -hmm. rigid, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I I could do what I could have done with this, one of those t-shirts. I am into hugging now, but 
I've probably still got work done there. Um, the uh, the primary wound for me was um, probably now I <laughs> I just got it. I said the validation was a double edged sword, right? And I mm -hmm. and I talked about the negative side of validation. Yeah, but there's a positive side on the other edge. Yes. That's what the primal wound was for me. It, there was there was a relief. So I'd done a lot of work. I'd done a lot of work on on myself. Um, yeah, I was looking back at my timeline. Um, so I I I read the I I received the primal wound ten years ago. Mm. But right, not the trauma. <laughs> Not the trauma. <laughs> I received I the trauma that. 57 years. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was, I'd, I'd been doing consciousness work on myself for seven years before I read the prime wound. Mm. But it took me back. It took me down. Uh, so the the metaphor I use for this one is like you've uh, trying to get a, a soccer ball. Yeah, and uh, and in in the pool or in the sea, or a beach ball, and push it down underwater. It comes up. It comes yeah. up, right? So what I, how I recall this, uh, from being a kid, is you can you can push it, you push it down a foot, mm -hmm. but it bounces back higher than that. It bounces right. back maybe three foot. Yeah. Right? And that, to me, is post-traumatic growth. Yeah. And that's what the what the primal wound did for me. It took me down. Mm -hmm. And then I was talking to a coach lady um, I don't, from the States somewhere. Uh, she worked with that guy I mentioned earlier on. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was one of his like trainees or whatever. Another cool Californian, maybe. A new Californian, yeah. <laughs> um, and and that's when that's when I realized this second layer mm. uh, that this unwoundable essence. Mm -hmm. our, our psychology will be forever wounded. Yeah. But our our essence is untouched yeah and, and and i and and i came up with this idea of being fundamentally unwoundable yeah i like that but i didn't come up with it as just an, an a nice little bumper sticker no it was and a I, big i thing. came up with it as a realization like it's an experience right so right. The, the um the loss is an experience so mm -hmm. it takes, I heard this, I don't know which one of my guests I heard this from, I should remember. She said, it takes an experience to counter an experience. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's true. I mean, so how many positives do you have to hear to negate a negative, right? So well, you have to, if you've had a negative experience, you have to have a positive mm -hmm. experience. If you have a negative experience and you have a positive thought, it doesn't mm -hmm. have the same power. That's right. right. It's like yeah. I don't. I'm stuck for a metaphor. Uh, no, it's true. If you have, if you're, I mean, you have to have 
Well, that's why naming it and having the words for me, like Journey of the Adopted Self came after the primal wound for us, but that one really was like the ball, right? I felt like you're pushing it down and whoa, big stuff. Every chapter, I was like, holy cow. You know, I went through like a depression reading that and the depression was the loss of, it wasn't a depression of I'm depressed. So, I mean, I was depressed from it, but it was more of a depression of loss. Like, oh my gosh, there's words for this loss I've always felt and I'm grieving it and I'm understanding it and it's really scary. I'm probably not as much fun to be around right now. My husband's like, who the heck are you? You know, I'm sure all these things were happening, but, but for me, it was also extremely validating in the positive sense because you're, you're, you're having words to name what you've felt and, and other people that have experienced it. I think that's why, um, journey of the adopted self because she was an adoptee you figured that out late in life Betty Jean it resonated too because she wasn't like a 21 year old therapist saying this this was like someone who came into it very late as well and then having the words behind it and the reasons behind it and all the research it's like oh my gosh thank you you know but also this is scary (laughs) it's easier it's easier to be in the fog a little a little bit, even though it's not easier because now I feel more my true self than ever, you know? So I, I like myself better now, but being in the fog was comfier. I guess it's more comfortable in a weird way, just because you don't have to deal like so anything, I, you know? I come to the realization about this today, yesterday. I, I think we're, we are forever, we will forever be coming out of the fog. I say that all the time. It's funny. I always Maybe say, I think I have one foot in the fog and then I'm out and then it's a foggy day again. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, so have you heard me? Nobody talks about what comes after the fog. Right? Yeah. What comes after the fog, Simon? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll play the metaphor, right? We'll mm-hmm. continue the metaphor. Okay. So the fog. Like you're gonna play with me, right? The right. fog lifts, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So what what's the next thing that you see? Sun. Yeah. But you'll be yes, yeah, you can see some sun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but guessing. You, but you're becoming you become aware of something though, aren't you? Right. What what are you becoming aware of? You now see the sky, you see everything you see can see because see of the, the fog. Right, okay. And what else do you see? Mm-hmm. You're becoming aware of some trauma. That, so would right. would would the sky be a um, a good metaphor for trauma? Yeah, the sky. Well, maybe the clouds are the metaphor for the trauma, and the sky is sort I of. Would go. That's the sky is go. like the. I think the sky is the bigger space. What you're talking about, who we could really be potentially if we got through the cloud. You know, the cloud is the trauma. You, you I don't think the... we have to be our trauma, do we? <laughs> I don't want to be our trauma, Simon. <laughs> you, you, you are the sky. We are the sky. The cloud is the trauma. Mm-hmm. So that's what we see when we come out of the fog. We don't yeah. see the sun first. We don't see the cloud first. Sorry, you don't see the sky first. We see a dark black. Mm-hmm storm cloud mm-hmm. we become aware of our trauma our trauma as you said 
like the trauma mm-hmm. is the, the trauma is the cloud i have to ask you about it that you got that right <laughs> um the the trauma right yeah. and, and and we see and 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 we and we're scared it's scary we think, we think it's scary mm-hmm. storm clouds are scary we think there's a storm coming we think yeah. we're going to get really wet we think we might get struck by lightning yeah it is scary it is scary um but the, and, and the realization is better and then no. the cloud, and, and then the whole the the whole sky clouds mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. with jet black clouds and mm-hmm. it's cold it's rainy it's scary it's lonely it's lonely mm-hmm. and then sooner or later the 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 cloud the storm passes right yeah we see the sunshine and we see the light and um and and we're we're still here we're still okay and you know this is going further from that than the storm can come back and you're not i feel like i'm not as scared of the storm now that's the thing are you inside my head because that's exactly what i was going to (laughs) say i'm liking this whole nature of evaluation so like here comes the next storm. I'm like, okay, I can handle that storm because now I know yeah, what that storm is going to come and go. Yeah. So you're less, uh, and then sooner or later, somebody points out to you from 6,000 miles away, hey, Louise, <laughs> the sky. <laughs> you didn't think I was this smart. <laughs> Never yeah. underestimate us Californians, Simon. The sky. <laughs> Why are you bothered about the weather? Why are you bothered about the weather? Right. Why? Yeah. So back to my swimming pool, right? The, the woman on <laughs> the woman on reception, I saw her today. Yeah. I I, I see it. She's a volunteer. Really? There. She's there. She, she's a volunteer. See her every Wednesday, right? Uh-huh. How are you? And she says, <laughs> she gives me an answer about the, that's about the weather. And I, I, I don't. I, don't, I haven't got I've, I've tried playing it with a few yeah things, but she doesn't get it and it's too she doesn't funny. get it I, but I, maybe I'll, next Wednesday if she does it I'll say yeah you're telling me about the weather I was asking about <laughs> you say it I think you should say it I think people are so used to not engaging but being pleasant but we're so lonely as a community, as a society underneath. I mean, beyond adoption, the world's yeah, yeah. lonely we, right we, now. We, yeah. How are you doing? So not bad itis, right? Not bad. Yeah, not bad, not bad itis. Or, or fine. <laughs> fine. Fine. Mm-hmm. Fucked up, insecure, neurotic, yeah. emotional. <laughs> That's what, when we're so at this. I've never sworn so much on the podcast. I've got an idea for you. I love it. I'm a big swearer, so that like I swear yeah. too much. It's a problem. I'm glad that you're not. I'm I'm horrible. But you know, really intelligent people swear. This is what I read recently on Facebook. So it must be. I true. was going to swear back at you then. Um, <laughs> you can't can, argue with that. <laughs> I I can smell my I can smell my wife cooking, which means tea yeah, you need ready. Um, we've been going for about an hour or so. Yeah. Been lovely. I've I've got uh I've got a request for you to mull over. Okay. Um first off, uh I think that seeing some of seeing some of the humanity mm-hmm. in the adoption stuff is big. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think that 
uh, identity is the biggest issue. And mm-hmm. I don't think that, or I haven't yet found an adoptee who can explain identity clearer, clearly to me. And that mm. means I have to go looking outside of adoptees for for my clarity on on identity. So, with that in mind, I'd like mm. to I'd like to suggest that we do the uh, we do the podcast, but we do it on a on a book that's about identity and happiness that's not written by an adoptee, and that mm. we do, do that. You know, so that we do that in that in that reading format that you do. That's just. A I'm, I'm going to mull that over, <laughs> and I have to mull that to over. Me, with... You don't want to ask me what book it is. Do you want okay, to... what's the? I would like to know the book. <laughs> what is the book? book. Have you read it? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Making sure. Okay. What is uh, it? So the book is called uh, "You Are the Happiness You Seek." Okay. You are the happiness you seek. And it's by Rupert Spira. Okay. Spira. And I I have read it, but I've listened to it more than I've read it. Okay. So, um, I'm, I like that. I'm going to listen. Whichever, yeah. So you won't get it on Audible, okay? Um, okay. So if you go on to Rupert Spira. I'll go on, on his. Rupert, you've got to buy yeah. it off his website. Rupert Spira, S-P. I R A dot com. I'm going on a long drive today, so maybe I will start okay. that. Actually, so Rupertspire dot com, and uh, it, so he's got a you know a page that says publications, and it's called "You Are the Happiness You Seek." And yeah, it's uh, okay. I'm interested in it because you've listened to it so many times, and um, it must mean a lot to you. So I would like to hear. He it. means I'm definitely a lot. Gonna, Yeah, I'm going to give you feedback I, I, on I've, it. <laughs> that book is a short one. Okay. I, I some of his audios are like fifty hours long because oh. the recordings of um events. Yeah. I, I listen to all of those as well. Okay, I'm gonna check this out. Thank he, you. What can I ask you what your wife's cooking? Because I might just come on over. <laughs> it's got garlic in it. Oh, it's I wanna hang out with you there. It's got garlic, yeah. You have the dogs on the couch and you have <laughs> garlic cooking. This has just been really nice to get to know you. I've looked at it. I've enjoyed it. It's healing. See, it's all about the healing. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. Thanks.